be coming. I sat in the dark pondering why it grew there. I thought maybe the growth was simply a pimple at first, not uncommon on one's back, or so I'm told. Unluckily for me, it was simply not a pus-filled sack of ooze. With the onset of age, I had sadly become accustomed to the occasional outburst of hair in places where there should be none, but quite frankly, nothing had prepared me for what I was sure was an unnatural growth. Upon my discovery, my first inclination was to pluck, shave, prune, and in any manner rid myself of the atrocity. This remedied the situation for a short period of time, until the hormones once again went awry and my plight returned. Having a doctoral remedy was of no use. With all of modern technology, no lasers, waxing, or removal of follicles did the trick. I was eventually informed that I would just have to live with it. I was able to hide the growth from my husband for quite some time. This'll happen when one is married for as long as we had been. The lights rarely go on in the course of time. The clothing becomes more layered and bedtime less intimate. But of course, the laws of probability finally took over. What the hell is that? he exclaimed upon entering the bathroom one evening while I was bathing. What? I questioned, although I knew there really was no way he could miss the blight upon my nudity. That, he said, pointing at the space between my shoulder blades near the top of my back. Why, it's exactly what it looks like, dear. A hair. We'll get rid of it. My husband, so simple, so honest, so naive, to assume that I had not already tried, was preposterous, and I told him so, rather rudely, I'm afraid, and he left the bathroom in a huff. I finished bathing, and while drying myself off, discovered yet another area of previously uncharted growth. This time the discovery was behind my left knee. Knowing full well that my body was not that of a contortionist, I concluded that the new growth had in no way come in contact with the previous one, and thus automatically ruled out contagion as a factor. Not being one to cry my way back to the physicians, I decided to try home remedies instead. What did I have to lose? I questioned. The medical profession had already established its inability to assist with my malady. I tried to recall if I had been bit by some mammal or bug, but could think of not any such cause for my body's sudden changes, and so my quest for a homemade solution began. I started quite nonchalantly, but obsession soon took over and I was making new concoctions in earnest. Before long my kitchen counters were filled with bowls, small cauldrons and bottles and boxes of every chemical I could legally purchase, and some that I could not. For several months I made potions, patches, solutions, and numerous salves. Not one of them removed a single hair patches of which had now sprouted up behind my right knee, above my buttocks, and on both shoulders. In my mind's eye, I was beginning to look like a woolly mammoth. The hair was coarse, black, and very long. One section I measured ran almost a full six inches. My husband appeared to take no notice of the disarray of the once tidy kitchen, and seemed concerned only that his meals continued to be served on time. Thus, I was able to hide my condition for another four months. It was at that time that the dreaded night visit occurred. I should not relate it as a visit, I suppose, that we still slept in the same bed, but we discovered that the very queen-sized bed that used to be roomy and almost too big had, throughout the years, become a tad bit too small to allow for our required personal space. The visit took form in my husband snuggling up to me and rubbing my backside, which he remarked was growing quite soft. I hadn't the heart to relate to him that it was the executioning of what I now deemed as fur growing that allowed this newfound comfort. When he tried to coax me into undressing, I politely refused and claimed a headache. I should have known better. This excuse had never worked in the past, and what tempted me to use it then, I really don't know. 
Maybe I truly did wish to have at least one person to share my hairy secret with. Upon seeing my backside, my husband, being the caring, gentle, human being that he was, screamed and called me in an unsightly monster, carrying on so that it finally got the better of me, and I had to dispose of him just to shut him up. A small bit of one of my potions and a cup of nightly tea nicely did the trick. The next few months are but a blur. I spent much of that time wallowing in self-pity. TV became my new best friend. Thankfully, I snapped out of it and decided to make the best of my situation. Once the decision was made, new growth areas filled me with delight. I had finally decided that to be half human and half whatever it was that I was becoming was simply a nuisance. I waited for the change to completely take over my body or abate altogether. Whatever the outcome, I wished only for my body to resolve itself to being one way or the other, not the hideous half-beast I had become. Food had become an issue as the cupboards and freezer became bare. The hair on my head changed from being the once soft red that I loved so much to the scraggly, coarse black hair that was taking over my body. It grew down the sides of my face into a long black beard that almost reached my breasts, which, as long as I'm admitting things, had started growing hair as well. I deemed myself too scary to go into public to shop for groceries. Alternative nutrition had to be planned. My meal times were altered as well. I was able to order some food items online, but with limited resources due to my inability to work and my husband's sudden yet planned demise, I had to rely on other means. Stray animals became a steady food source and coincided quite nicely with my mealtime schedule changes, for they were easily caught at night prowling around my yard. The neighborhood population of wandering cats, dogs, and other stray creatures soon began to diminish. I considered myself the neighborhood hero. By the time I allowed myself to delve deeper into researching what it was that I was possibly becoming, I had grown what can only be called claws and sported a nice shiny set of fangs to boot. My first reaction was that I was now a werewolf. However, my ailment apparently was not associated with the moon, and although I had by then acquired a taste for warm flesh, it was still not my initial meal of choice. I then thought maybe I was turning into a female version of Sasquatch. I discarded this idea just as quickly as I entertained it. I had not been born with unusual amounts of hair, and no member of my family had ever exhibited any remotely similar symptoms. I was at a loss as to what I had become. After a while, I decided it really didn't matter, as there was apparently no cure anyway. At night, I would wait for prey to enter my yard and think about where my life was to go from here. It was then that I heard it. It was so far away I wasn't sure I had actually heard anything. The next night, I heard it again, and the night after. Each night, the howling came a bit closer. I dared not answer, for fear that I would wake the neighbors. Instead, I urinated outside in the hopes that the breeze would carry my scent to the creature coming to rescue me, for I am sure that is what he is doing. He has found out about me and knows that I await a new life, one where I will no longer be trapped within these confining walls, a life where I can hunt freely and without worry of being seen and possibly hunted myself. I await his arrival patiently, peering out into the nights, listening for the rustle of his paws through my yard, waiting for his scratch on my door.